Steph Fowler, one of my Aussie private coaching clients, joins me today in the Superhero Podcast to talk about how her life has transformed through the work that we've done. This is a personal transformation story about how Steph has reshaped her relationship with food and her relationship with herself. Tune in to find out what food transformation truly is. My favorite equestrian Australian <laughs> client, Steph Fowler. Welcome to the Superhero Podcast. Thanks, Jono. Thanks for, um, for having me. Thanks for yeah. accepting my offer if I want to do a podcast. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, please, would you give me just a kind word that I can put on the website about our coaching together? And then you say, um, no, I want to go live and talk about it to everyone. Yeah. It's super cool. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't yeah. deny the people uh, an insight into our coaching sessions. They're heaps of fun. I have heaps of fun. That's Sometimes. great. <laughs> That's great, yeah. Uh, so, look, we'll get into the coaching just now, but just to give an idea to everyone watching, like, what was it like before you went on the health transformation? And I know there were steps as well. So it was like the darkness and then there was the, um, you know, you learned about new diet things and then you went into mindset. So maybe just give us a, you know, a, re- a rerun, you know. Yeah, so um, oh, it depends how far back you want to go. If I go back to kind of a brief start, um, as a as a kid, I kind of didn't really have any um, health or weight problems or anything like that. And then as a teenager, in those I guess kind of pivotal years for a girl, you um, I sort of noticed that I was sort of a bit heavier um, than the rest of the girls in my grade. Um, but I was sort of the same shape as my mum and my sister. So it wasn't so much of a, um, I just assumed that I was different to everybody else, um, and tootled on through life for a while there. And it wasn't until I, I had a massive, um, stack off a horse and broke my left wrist. Um, and I put on about nearly 20 kilos in weight in a very short period of time. And I, then, of course, made the decision that I needed to get fit and healthy to be able to get back on a horse. And uh, that's when, I guess, the the latest few phases kind of really started. Um, so I started out eating, you know, the standard diet and what I thought was really healthy. And I then would go through a period and and I just couldn't lose the weight and I was just, um, you know, go through a period of being absolutely then so devastated that I couldn't lose the weight that I was then basically eating a whole heap of junk food and then it would just kind of cycle like that for a little while. Um, and eventually I got onto one of those 12-week programs online um, and that was a real eye-opener. It was like severe calorie restriction, huge amounts of exercise and I think at the end of 12 weeks I lost about four kilos and of course when you get in the support group everybody's in there like oh I've lost 20 kilos I've lost 10 kilos I've lost 12 kilos and I just thought what is wrong with me and at this stage um there was a few there was a few hints that it wasn't just about um the food that something else was going on but um yeah I couldn't get out of bed and a few other things and I I didn't you know didn't think twice about that and yeah, it wasn't until I got onto a decent doctor um, that I ended up getting put on low carb and she put me onto a real meal. A doctor, that's great. Yeah. And so what changed for you when you when you got into low carb? Um, it took a little while, but the thing that I noticed is suddenly I could get out of bed. So I was at the worst kind of part in that I was going to bed at 7 p.m. and then I was sleeping through and barely getting out of bed at 7 a.m. And then by lunchtime, 1 p.m., I was almost asleep at my desk. 
Um, so a couple of months into real meal and low carb and all of a sudden I was like, I was almost back to being me. So I used to get really early. I'd be riding horses. I'd be going, you know, going out, going to work. Um, work usually for us can start pretty early. Um, and I just lost this whole big struggle with, you know, trying to stay awake through my work day. It was amazing. And then, you know, so, so that's, so the diet worked, but then there were ups and downs, even just sticking to low carb as well. Yeah. Um, so I, I live in, um, I guess, a smaller town in kind of rural regional New South Wales. Um, and so it was quite common for us, you know, as everyone does, we go down the pub once a week for um, a social dinner out. And, you know, the smallest comment from someone of, oh, you're ordering a salad, you're going to be healthy or, you know, even, oh, what you, you know, like everyone else is ordering a beer and then suddenly I'm ordering a beer. And, and I just, I'd go through cycles and it was the same. I mean, we travel a lot for work. I'm away with work at the moment and every trip away, you know, you'd be good for two or three days and you'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm nailing this. And then towards the end of the week, you'd get tired and, and bad food's just kind of everywhere. And you'd be like, oh, start you know, stuff that I've earned some chips or, um, you know, like one beer won't hurt. And so it just became this kind of cycle where I was going through, you know, two or three weeks of eating really well and then I'd blow it. And it started out that the blowout would just be like one meal, but I then I couldn't pick myself back up. And then it'd be a month of good and then a month of blowout. Yeah, and, Not a and great so, cycle. Yeah, and so, you know, even when you found the diets that that really worked for you there was this sort of um impact on the self-esteem from that cycle like how how did you how did you feel about that sort of upping and downing or yo-yoing it it was it was probably worse doing that than it was when I didn't know what a what a good diet for me was like that's the reality um because when you know the path that you should be walking but you're not actually walking that path um there's huge amounts of guilt and shame and like I'm a highly qualified person um I'm scientific minded I know what I should be doing I, you know I've done seven years of uni but I, I I can tick every box on a piece of paper but I can't not put bad food in my mouth how is that a, like how is that even a thing um so it just it just absolutely um yeah it just annihilated a lot of my self-confidence and things too because it's such you know everybody puts it out there like it's this huge thing of self-control like if you just got to have self-control you just got to not do it like come on you can do it like you make better choices and then every time I'd fall up it was like a personal thing like I'm a bad person I just can't do this um, and I think that that was where I really suffered then to kind of get, you know, it wasn't just a meal in my head. It was like, you're terrible. You're worthless. You can't do this. Mm. Yeah. And so what did you think the problem was? Did you just think you were, I know that you've said it on a few occasions, like, oh, it must be shit. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to swear on here. So, you know, but it's yours. So if you want to swear and say I'm shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, look, I, I really, I didn't think that I was worthy of success. I think that's what it comes down to. Like, I just thought, like, obviously, this is the universe's way of telling me, Steph Fowler, you just should be fat and unhealthy and just go sit in the corner. Mm. And that's and so, <laughs> Yeah, that's a massive burn, you know, and I think that a lot of people listening will, will share that sentiment because everyone says, you know, low carb is the... <laughs> you know, discover this thing and your life will change. And like you said, you know, even, you know, you watch these forums and people lose like 30 kilos. So when you have discovered like some kind of breakthrough and then you, you know, for some reason you still can't stick to it, it's easy to think that 
you know, you're broken in a way. So uh, I get it. And then what happened? So was that, and at that point, did you decide to join me or was there like a long period of that first? So, yeah, so I probably had four years of that first. I'm a bit of a slow learner. No, not so much a slow learner. Um, It was, I guess, um, the... In the background, there was always another excuse. There was always something else to blame, you know, like it's work or it's this or, you know, I just need to find a better job that I'm not travelling so much or I need to, whatever the case may be. Um, and then I think the changing, after four, after four years of that, the changing point was um, I just felt like I was living the same year of my life over and over and over. And it gets to that point, you know, it gets to the point around October and you start reflecting back of like, what have I achieved in this year? Like, what have I actually done? And I think I was a member on Real Meal like way back in the day when it was um, like just the online platform. Um, and then the, the coaching thing came out and I kind of, I was kind of umming and ahhing about it and I, yeah, I got to a point and I just realized that I actually, like the scales hadn't budged. I was nowhere, like I'd lost weight, but I was nowhere near where I needed to be um, to keep, you know, keep the weight down with my chronic, like chronic pain. And um, I was really heavily um, dependent on metformin. And it was just like, it was making me really crook. I had a lot of gut issues. Um, and I just was feeling like even though I was low carb, it was still, it was a huge effort. Like food became this almost obsession with me. Um, it wasn't easeful. There was not, you know, I didn't flow from meal to meal and it was just life was all sunshine, roses and lollipops. Um, it was just so much effort. And I just thought like, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be another way to this. Um, mm. So yeah, that's when I kind of joined the Real Meal Coaching in October. And then since then, um, so I obviously I'm a horse rider and I have a really little pony and height wise, I'm not too big for her, but, um, I sort of swore, I made a promise to her. I was like, you know what, Friday, like by the time you're ready to be broken in and I'm doing it all myself, like, you know, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be right to sit on you. You know, I'm going to be right to ride you because there's weight limits and stuff now, you know, with animal welfare. And like, I sit on her and I feel huge because she's and she's a little pony um and it just kind of came to this thing that I made this promise and I, it's funny it is so funny to me because you know I've made the promise to myself over and over and over and over and I've never been able to keep it but I make it to a 13 hand pony and I'm just like dang I didn't do that and then I really felt it and then I had yeah I had someone else say something that I felt when I sat on her and she kind of went like oh that's uncomfortable and that's like the last thing that you then want. So then this, you know, mentor that I really value in my life then was like, oh, you know, you're a bit big for her. And he didn't mean it in a bad way, but, oh, it broke me. It broke me. And then I was like, nah, I, I need to do something more than this. I needed, there's got to be something different. There's there's something out there. Um, and then, yeah, that's when I got onto you and here we are. And so, yeah, so food transformation, I think is a, is a, a broad term and for many people I think they think it's like go on a diet and change your body uh, what was what were you expecting like before you joined when you spoke about food transformation I um I don't actually know what I was expecting because I was just in this sheer place of sheer desperation um and I remember I think our first coaching session I think I talked at you solidly with nervous energy for about an hour like I don't think I like almost didn't let you get two words in I was just like Duh! um 
So yeah, I don't think I had any expectations because in my mind I'd hit the I'd hit the bottom. I'd hit the bottom. There was, you know, if I couldn't do this now, I might as well just sell all the things that I, you know, and just find myself some old clumper of a quarter horse that is so not competitive. And that's just not who I am. Like that's just not who I am as a rider or a person. So that was a um yeah, that was probably one of my biggest motivators. Got it. And so what what was the you know in the first months what were some of the significant if you can remember that far back what what were some of the things that you did actually get you know that you weren't expecting or that that really made a difference um i think the first thing like you you say food transformation and when you sort of said to me like oh we might talk about the food maybe if we get to it and i was like i come again how are you going to solve my eating problems without talking about the food like is that even a thing like are you are you qualified to do this Jono? <laughs> um so yeah it became pretty painstakingly obvious that all of the issues that I were having um around food it was nothing about the food and it still isn't which is yeah um, so it was all, it was all the other, it was all the other stuff. It was all the stuff from, um, you know, my childhood and growing up with, um, the family that I have no, no judgment to them, but you know, we don't come out of, none of us come out of childhood, um, as perfectly adapted human beings. So there was a lot of stuff that I had to kind of pick through and weave through. Um, and then how that had, you know, progressed onto my life, because obviously there's, there's traits that I've developed that make me really good at my job but they make me a really not capable person when it comes to some things too. So it's like that thing where our greatest strength is our greatest weakness as well. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so, so like some of the, some of the things that you developed as a teenager to like help you are actually like costing you. Nah. Do you, do you have any of those that you feel comfortable sharing? Like one insight? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm an open book. Um, I, it, it's really the survival mechanisms and a lot of the, the coping type things. Um, so our, our family at times was quite challenging. Um, I grew up with an alcoholic mother um, because she was unable to cope with the things that you know, it was her survival mechanism. Um, and in that situation, I learned to be a perfectionist. I learned to try and please other people and, you know, do the things that I needed to do to make everybody else happy. Um, and so things like that, you know, like that perfectionist tendency was my, it was my boom or bust attitude. You know, I couldn't just have one chip and go, Oop, my, don't, don't do that stuff. It was like, I had to, oh, now you've, you know, you're a complete failure and you can't do this low carb because you just had one chip and oh, now, you know, you're so totally not worthy of anything. Um, and then, you know, like the, as soon as somebody would make a comment on what I was eating or, you know, I would think that somebody would make a comment on what I was eating. Um, a lot of it didn't even have to come down to a situation. It was also my perception of how the situation was going to play out. So yeah, even going to the pub, I decide on the way, like, okay, I'm just going to have the steak and salad and I'm going to have it with the smoked butter and it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then I get there and then just like everybody else in front of me be ordering like a, you know, a schnitzel or a palmy or something and I just cave and make it look so seamless like I wasn't even thinking the whole way you know, trying to psych myself up to order that damn steak and I just couldn't do it and I was like yeah so I, I really like and they were just all coping mechanisms basically um, I learned to cope with and survive the situations and then suddenly I got myself into a place where 
I didn't need to survive anymore. I could actually step step forward and start thriving. And I mm. just was like, why am I holding myself back all the time? So that's, that's a significant change, you know, getting from, so just to clarify what you're saying is when you were sort of at the restaurant, like knowing that you wanted to order the steak, you would see everyone else doing it. And you're like, I don't want to draw attention to myself. I don't want to have to have this debate. So you're like, well, I was going to have the schnitzel, like nothing ever happened. And then something, yeah. and then, so you say now, like now you just, you know, put yourself first, but, but that's a huge bridge or moat to climb over. Mm. So what was the, what was the shift that enabled you to do that? Um, I really started unraveling, um, I guess some of the, the trauma that came attached with those, um, survival mechanisms and, and in that uncoupling the belief with that action. So like the, you know, people will judge me if I just order a steak and salad, um, then got, you know, well, let them judge me sort of thing. Like it was, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a thing. Um, but it, it took, it took a fair bit because I had to work out a, what the, like what the belief was like, and some of my most memorable moments are when you try to do some of those word associations, you know, what do you think about people? And I'd be like, people are shit. Cause in my head, everybody was just judging me. Everybody was judging me and, you know, my health is shit. And I don't know how many times I used the word shit in like that five minutes, but, um, <laughs> you know, it became so painstakingly obvious that actually the things that I, the beliefs that I had, like, you know, cause I, I'm like, Oh, I really like people. Like I'm a pretty sociable person. And then you're like, what do you, what's the first thing that comes in your head when you say people? And I'm like, oh, shit. Cause I just had, you know, and I, and, and I thought I was pretty self-aware and so it, to uncouple that and to dig kind of deeper um, was really, I guess, mind blowing. And then I went through a period after that where I was like, "Man, all my beliefs have been smashed. Who am I?" Like, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. What do I do? And I still couldn't, like, I still couldn't figure out. Like, and I still wasn't really being compliant all the time then either because I couldn't figure out, like, is this thing of health? Is that actually me, or is that? Mm not like am I somebody that values that or is this just me you know trying to fit the, the fit the ideal body fit the ideal you know that that image that we see in magazines and on social media and yeah so it, it took me a while to kind of tear everything apart and then build it all back together so and and in building it back together you know how did you decide to, to you know to put it back together. I mean, not how did you decide that you were going to put it back together, but like what led you um, to put it back together the way that you did and how, how like final is that, you know? Um, I can't say that putting it back together was kind of a conscious decision. I think mm. what I actually ended up doing, because I know we, we did talk about it a bit for a while there, um, and I think the thing that I ended up doing is I just stopped I stopped doing everything and in that space, in that pause, it was kind of like the real me kind of came out and there were a few opportunities um, that opened up in that kind of period and I was like, I want to do that. Um, so like our spring challenge um, at our local gym started um, about seven weeks ago, not about, I'm very exact about that, I have the date permanently ingrained in my head. Um and, and so that kind of opened up at the time and I kind of, it was unfinished business. Um, I'd started it a couple of years ago and my foot broke down and I couldn't get through. I had massive bout of chronic 
pain and um, it popped up at just this time that I was like, who am I? And I was like, oh, that, I haven't finished that. I need to finish that challenge. I need to, and then I, you know, and then the flow on effect from that was like, well, if I'm going to hammer myself, then I need to do it and make it worthwhile. And so then I just kind of picked up my eating um, and stopped, you know, finally, really cut back on alcohol and a few other things. Um, and then I was like, actually got into the challenge. The first week was horrendous. I was like a little T-Rex. Um, and then I got a couple of weeks into the challenge and then I remembered how good it is to feel like I do. Like I was probably this fit when I was working on stations up North in Northern Territory, um, in Queensland, cause it's just a full on physical job for eight, 10 hours a day. Um, so by the end of that, I was pretty fit and I forgot how good it is to feel that fit. And then I was like, Oh, this is like the old me. This is like the pre injured foot me. Like off we go, let's do this. And I started really enjoying it. And then I was like, Hey, I, you know, I'd always pegged myself as not being an athletic person, not into sports, not, you know, And then suddenly I was that person at six o'clock in the morning that's like with the rest of the team going, come on, guys, let's get to it. Like, let's do this thing. And then people go, oh, you know, you're looking really good. Oh, yeah, that's the low carb. Like, you should try it. Like, and really pumped about this stuff. And I was like, what happened to me? And then I'm like, no, actually, this is the, the real me that's kind of been subdued down as people have been over the years, like, do this, do that, don't do this. Um, but the chronic pain in that was probably the biggest thing. Like it just totally messed with me and I never realized how much it messed with me until I kind of came through the other side. Um, so it's been really, it's been really great to actually be like, well, hang on. And all I had to do was stop. Yeah. Do less. (laughs) Yeah. It's insane. So one of the other things I remember, uh, was, well, and it's, and I think you share this with many people. It's like how hard you were on yourself, you know, um, getting back up. How, how's that changed? Um, well, now I don't really feel like I have anything to get back up from. That's well, <laughs> So let me paint the picture. Like when you mm. used to like slip and fall, uh, when I, yeah. metaphorically, of course, like fall off the bus or whatever, like what were the kind of things you'd say to yourself when when you like um, cheated on your, and I don't like the word cheat, but you know, like broke, broke non- the diet com- or whatever. Non-compliant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, when I'll put it this way. When my behaviours didn't align with my goals, I was probably <laughs> the hardest person. Like you would not want me in your life when I'm like, like I was so like, it was like, um, I don't know if I can, the mean girls and like, you know, how they're all like, and I was like that to myself. So I just tear myself down any, any chance. Um, and it was so seamless. I didn't even realize I was doing it to myself. So it'd just be like, you know, your worthless doesn't even cover, um, some of it. Like it was just horrendous. Mm -hmm. And then I'd beat myself up so much that I would just be like, well, there's no point even trying from here. Like, I'm just, what's the, like, what's the point? What's the point? So, yeah. Yeah, and how did that what, – what changed that and then how did it change? Um, I think that I finally accepted that I wasn't perfect. Um, it, sounds, it sounds really crazy, um, but as a, as a kid, I'd had this thing drilled into my head that you're perfect or you're worthless. Um, so I bought home a test. It had 93%. Um, I was so excited. I topped my year. It was amazing. I said to mom, look at this. Look, yay. And she went, "Mm, what happened to the other 7%? 
And so I sort of learnt as a kid that perfection was where, you know, if you weren't perfect, you didn't have to try. And then suddenly I gave myself permission to not be perfect. And I literally, I literally wrote down on a piece of paper and I learned this off a good friend of mine, Jane Pike. Um, and she, you know, we give ourselves permission slips at this clinic. You know, I have permission to be afraid with whatever or whatever it is. Um, and I literally wrote myself a permission slip that said, I have permission to not be perfect. And then what happened was we went out to dinner and I stole a chip off my husband's plate like I always do because the MP does good chips and I put it in my mouth and I had one chip and I went, oh no, I shouldn't have done it. And I went, wait, I have permission to not be perfect. That wasn't perfect. And then back to eating my steak and I didn't touch any more chips. And then suddenly I went like, well, hang on. (laughs) (laughs) What just happened here? I didn't eat a whole thing of chips. And then next time we went out and I said, I give myself permission to not be perfect, but I knew I didn't have to eat the chip because there was going to be other chips. And so I just sat there and ate my steak. And then suddenly that became the new normal and that became the new thing. And, you know, and then when I went into um, this fitness challenge, things really kind of changed again because I then, like I knew it was going to be hard. I knew it was going to be really sucky. Um, and there's a few, you know, things that go around the internet and one of them's the, I think, oh, it's not even on the internet. I think it's, um, it's in one of those books. Oh, I can't remember who it is. Um, 12 rules to life, I think. And it talks about the lobster and the idea is, so a lobster has to lose its shell to grow completely. But when it loses its shell, it's really like, so it gets really tight and cramped and uncomfortable and then it gets really vulnerable and then it grows a new shell that's a bigger size. So to continue growing, lobsters have to basically put themselves first in discomfort and then they have to make themselves really vulnerable and then they grow. And so I've just had this thing for a while that's like embrace the suck, but it's also like embrace the lobster. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so I knew that this thing was going to be really sucky. So I sort of said like, well, if it's going to be hard, I don't want to waste all that hard. So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to do it properly. Um, so I actually made my husband bet me. <laughs> I'm so competitive. I actually made him like bet me. We were driving home from Sydney and um, he took a bit of conjoling into it because he's like, no, you don't quit. Like you're not a quitter. Like I've never seen you quit on horses and you got a PhD. You never quit uni when it got hard. Like you can, I'm like, no, I just, I really need like that extra motivation. So I literally cajoled him into, um, <laughs> basically betting me that, you know, like, oh, Steph can't go a month without eating crap and, you know, Steph can't go a month without eating, you know, drinking more than one day a week or, you know, and I said, right, like, what's the, what are we going to do? Like, what's, what's the wager here? Yeah. What's the wager here? And he's, he's not a, like, he's a cook, but he's a bit of a steak and potatoes man. That's the joke is when we got together, all he would cook is like steak and fried potatoes. Um, And so I was like, right, this is it. You're going to cook me a three-course meal if I do this. (laughs) And he was very reluctant, um, very reluctant. And eventually he finally was like, well, I guess guess so because you're not going to give up. Like this is like an hour, (laughs) an hour further down the road. Um, So, yeah, and then I made him shake on it and I was like, it's official now. We're doing this thing. Um, So I worked out too, like I'm very extrinsically motivated, Um, you know, 
I, if I feel like I'm, you know, going to let somebody down or like competitions, like I'm a competitive rider, um, the fitness challenge is really working for me because it's a competition. I'm like, you know, there's two girls in our group that are like super fit and I'm like trying to keep up with them and, you know, like pushing myself because I'm like, no, like I've got to, like, I can do this. I can do this. I can't let them beat me. Um, so then I just found a way to make that work for me in other ways. And yeah, the biggest thing is some, like some days it's really hard. I get up and it's dark and it's cold and I don't want to do it. And, um, and then I just kind of go, like, I literally have to say to myself, like, embrace the suck, the lobster, the lobster. And then that's like, cause I've got that story ingrained in my head. That's enough mm-hmm. for me to kind of like get out of bed and I, you know, I don't want to let the team down and you know, it's all accountability and stuff like that. So yeah, I can't even remember what your question was, but I really feel the need to get the lobster. I'll, I'll tell anybody the lobster story that will listen. No, that's great. No, the, uh, I was asking about, <laughs> um, about how, how you've changed from being super tough on yourself when you fail to like, you know, how you are now when you, you know, pick yourself up. And so that's an important distinction because I think a lot of people think that if they're hard on themselves, they'll be better next time. And I think what you've demonstrated is that actually, if you can't, you, you know, it's easier for you to get back on it and and carry on because you're not dealing with all that stuff, you know? I think the thing is too, is that everybody thinks that the things that are right for us should be easy. Mm. Like, you know, you've, you found the right exercise when you enjoy it. You, um, you found the right diet when it's easy to stick through to food and, you know, you don't have to question whatever. Um, and the biggest thing, like, so I kind of put out on Facebook, um, made it, you know, made it public, made it a bit accountable that there's this thing that I'm doing It's a spring challenge, you know, so that when I went out to the pub, there wasn't so many comments or questions or, you know, things like that. And the biggest thing that I noticed is a lot of people like, Oh, don't be so hard on yourself. And it's kind of like I wasn't sitting in the corner bashing myself over the back of the head with a mallet because I was Mm. overweight. It was more like, you know, the road, I think there's like a quote like that, you know, the right, it might be the right path, but it's not necessarily the easy one. And we just have this idea that, that things should be easy all the time and the things that, you know, we need to do should be easy. And I mean, man, I like, I hated the spring challenge for the first few weeks. But if I hadn't gone through that discomfort of pushing myself that hard for that amount of time, Mm. I wouldn't have gotten to the point that I actually enjoy it. Mm. So, you know, I'm probably just as hard on myself, but it's like using that superpower for good rather than for evil. Got it. And so I know we've spoken a lot about the spring challenge and people probably going to want to do that. Uh, So, but I'm interested to see, like, because obviously you mentioned a lot, like what is the coaching that we've done together how has that influenced your approach to the spring challenge or how are they connected? So I think, well, not, I think they are connected. They are connected because you can't like, I guess for me, I almost wasn't doing any exercise outside of riding. Um, and mentally I couldn't push myself through. So I'll feel a twinge in my foot and I'll be, I would have been like, Oh God, I'm breaking. Like, this is it. I can't do this. I can't do this anymore because I had just really shit self-belief. I had really shit self-talk. Um, and so it's kind of like those unconscious things that you hold about yourself are then the platform that everything else bounces off of. So when I believed that I, A, wasn't worthy of being healthy and that B, I didn't deserve, I wasn't worthy enough to have, you know, the life that I wanted to live and be the competitive rider that I want to be, it's really hard then to do the things that get you from where you are now to hitting that goal. So I wasn't in a, 
mentally I wasn't in a position that I could be open to to doing the hard exercise because I wasn't able to sit in the discomfort for long enough to get through it. So the mindset, the mindset, the mental side of the coaching, the changing those beliefs, the smashing that apart has then kind of cleared the way to then let me go, well, to be a competitive rider, I need to be fit. I need to be able to write, you know, work and come home and ride three horses. Mm. And, and so how is Good, good. And how is the, what you've learned or how you've transformed, has it trickled out into any other areas of your life? Um, I don't think there's an area that it hasn't flowed out into. Um, yeah, I, I mean, work, I, I'm, I work in a competitive environment. Um, I've quite often got to apply for, you know, basically my, I've got to apply to progress within my job. I've got to apply, um, for grant money, for research money, um, all of those things require you to say to somebody else that you are worthy. (laughs) And when you don't believe that you are worthy or you don't believe that, you know, you have the knowledge to do the thing that you're trying to, you know, say, well, if you give me a million bucks, I'll fix your problem. Then who else, like, if you don't believe that about yourself, who else believes that? Um, and, you know, I mean, I'd have a bad day with the horses before and I'd think like, oh, stuff it, I'll just sell everything. Like I'm not getting anywhere. Um, who am I to be wanting to go to Grand Prix? Who am I to wanting to, you know, do the things that I want to do? Like I'm just a nobody. I should just sell everything and go find myself an uncompetitive plotter and we'll just plot around. And like I'd sit on that not just for like five minutes and be like, oh, well, we're through that. Like that would be a week of my life going, Oh, and so then every day I go home inside and I'd just be lamenting around the place and, you know, I, the husband would be like, what are you doing? Just get over it. Um, so I was a bit of a grumble bum, I would say, when bad things happened. <laughs> <laughs> Negative Nancy. Negative Nancy. Negative Nancy. Um, no, Debbie Downer, that's who it is. So, yeah, Debbie Downer. Debbie Downer. So quite often, um, yeah, it would be – it would be – kind of things like, oh, something would happen at work and I'd be like, suddenly Steph's, you know, had a whole bottle of red wine, not noticed. So, you know, I guess my my relationships are heaps better um, and I'm a lot more aware of situations that I may probably have to, like, you know, manage a bit better or, um, you know, things that are likely to kind of send me a little bit frustrated and, and kind of go, well, is this actually a realistic reaction to what's going on in front of me? Mm. Um so yeah, it's it's had a huge flow on effect. Great. And what is the? I mean, just I know that you got to run soon, so I'll, I'll try to wrap it up soon. But the what? How? You know, the, the the purpose of food transformation coaching is obviously to change your relationship with food. Obviously, I feel like you know it's, it's like more than food, but just to get it back to food. How has your relationship with food changed? I think you so, just mentioned some of that about you know. Yeah. It used to be really like food used to consume a fair bit. Um, Even when I, you know, when I went low carb, it was like, oh, where can we eat? What can I have? What can I do? What can I, oh, God, you're never going to make this work. And someone will comment. And and it was always a point of anxiety. And what I'm finding now, like, I mean, I'm even away for work at the moment. And it just seems so easy because it's, you know, I know too, I guess, that I've given myself permission to not be perfect. And then somehow that makes it easier 
to actually do the things, which is counterintuitive. But yeah, it's it's a lot more. You know, it doesn't it doesn't take a great deal of um, mental exhaustion to figure out. You know what what to do if someone makes a comment oh you know can you eat anything here it's kind of like yeah, don't worry about me like you just do you and I'll just do me like it's it's fine and I mean it like it's not a it's not a fake thing I mean it which is yeah that's it's just it's that's it's great. super easy yeah that's super cool and then and then so the, the obvious question is you know this year in mid mid transformation and that was one of the things that we were going to talk about so so it sounds as though like the mind work is very far advanced, but perhaps you're still physically on the journey. And I think, and I think many people, you know, they want to see the before and after photos. They want to see like the, you know, how much weight am I going to lose? And, and I always tell people like, dude, you can lose so much weight in 12 weeks, but if you put it back on again, it doesn't count for shit. So, you know, what's your take on that? Um, and maybe tell us about like where, you, where you're going to, where you are right now. That's exactly why I didn't want to do a testimonial for you. <laughs> because you're all like, you know, send us a before and after photos. And I looked at the questions and I was like, oh, I could so, you know, I could I could answer those questions easy. And I go to like the before and after and I was like, I look just about exactly the same as I did when I joined up. I'm like, that's not good for marketing, is it? <laughs> Um, yeah, so I guess the, the uh, you know, for me, it's not about the food um, and that really sums it up. And, I mean, it is it is still a bit of a mind thing for me because the, the scales aren't changing, um, but my body composition is changing quite a lot. Um, but I don't know where, I don't know where in the journey I am anymore because I basically, well, I didn't basically, I did. I stopped weighing and I stopped measuring um, because being an, being a scientist, being all about the numbers, um, if I'm following the path and I'm doing the process, my body will catch up, but my mind is very much like, oh, you put on a kilo this week. And like, in theory, I know I can just have a really big dinner the night before and the scales will go up. Um, and so it just kind of really messed with my mind. And I, and, and in that process, I had a, a goal weight of 62 kilos. Um, and then I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm still, you know, eight kilos off that. But all of a sudden my body comp is changing a lot. So I don't know how close I will actually get to that 62 kilos um, and actually be like in a good body composition with a good fat percentage. So mm. my plan is actually to go get a DEXA scan at some point um, and do it a little bit, um, a little bit more, I guess, intuitively in terms of when I stop when I feel good. Um, but I've realized in that too, like for me, exercise is a bit of a non-negotiable. Um, mm. so I, I hit 70 kilos. I'm, I'm down 20 basically since when I started. Um, and in that process, like to get from here to where I want to be, to be the, the, the healthiest that I can be, um, yeah, there's a bit of body composition work to go, but I don't quite know at this stage what my end process, and I don't even know that there ever will be an end, end point because I'm pretty sure that once I get to where I think I want to be, you know, like I did when I was like, I just want to lose weight and then I lost weight and went, oh, there's this whole plethora of things out there that, you know, I don't even know about. Um, and so, you know, it's a bit the same with the horses. Um, it's always a journey and they say, you know, the journey is the destination. So I don't know that I'll ever 
um, pull up and stop in, you know, like at some point, mm. Mm. Yeah. who knows. I think, so what you're saying really is that you, you've, it's changed from being like, um, you know, like if you're, if the paint on your wall is like peeling off, you're like, okay, we need to scratch the paint and paint the wall and that'll fix the problem and go away. And I think like what you're saying is that in the past, like the diet, like getting thin was like painting the wall. Like, well, let's get this done so I can carry on with my life. And, and what it sounds like is that you've adapted your mindset to be like, cool, well, health's a journey. And once there's this bit of health ticked, like, you know, there'll be more. And then now it's just like become part of your, your life. So it's one of the things that you're concerned about, not concerned, but like interested in actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing, getting, getting fit to ride horses, like to seriously ride horses is probably the biggest, um, the biggest changing point in that because I like, I'd go to a class at the gym and there'd be trainers in there. Like other trainers would come in and do classes with like the trainer and I'm like with a different trainer. And I'm kind of the first week I saw it, I was like, like, what's she doing here? Like she's super fit. She doesn't need to be in this class. Like what's, what's going on here? And then slowly over time I realized like, yeah, they're in the same class as me, but they're, and they're pushing themselves just as hard as I am but like their weights are a little bit more because their push is here and my push is here. And it doesn't mean that, you know, neither of us aren't working any less hard than the other one. It's just like, it's a constantly moving, you know, you get to this point and you're like, yes, I'm here, but you can either stay at that point or keep pushing. And I just know within myself, like I'm the kind of person that I'll keep pushing. Um, Mm. I'll keep Mm. going. And I, you know, I mean, there's some things on my list that I want to do. Like I want to go from, Four years ago, five years ago, I couldn't even step up on a five-inch or jump up on a five-inch block, and now suddenly I'm doing, you know, 20-inch box jumps, and then I'm kind of going like, hey, I could do one of those, like, adventure races, you know, where you army crawl under things and climb up things, and I'm like, because I I never dreamed, when I broke my foot, I never dreamed that I could do that stuff. Like, I, I broke my foot, and suddenly my whole life ended. I got told I was lucky to be walking, lucky to be riding, um, physically I'd always been a pretty active person and they suddenly said like oh well this is just it for you this is your lot now um and so the goalpost since then has kind of moved but I'm kind of I'm a bit excited to see how far I can just kind of push that and push that biology and take it so yeah I don't that's think my great. journey will ever end yeah that's awesome well Steph I know you got a, a meeting in like six minutes or something so I'll let you go but yeah it's it's a pleasure working with you and, and I look forward Aww. to our next session and, uh, and yeah, thanks so much for, for sharing your story. And I, I know that you added a lot of value, a lot of people watching, a lot of people giving love, lots of comments Aww. saying, oh, Steph, you Thanks, legend. guys. Cool. Aww. We'll chat soon. Thanks, Have Yeah. Okay. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to join the Supper Heroes community, please get onto Facebook and join the Facebook group that is the Supper Heroes Facebook group. For more information on me, follow me on Facebook, the John O'Proudfoot. Follow me on Instagram at John O'Proudfoot. Check out my website www.johnoproudfoot.com. And if you're interested in taking my online keto course or getting online keto coaching, check out realmealrevolution.com. Please follow and download. We're out to change the world, and you can be a part of it. See you next week.